Welcome to the show, everybody, on a special Sunday. The reason why we're having this show on Sunday, if you didn't know, you should be subscribed, you should follow, you should know, you should know all this stuff already because I've been announcing it for the last two weeks. But the reason why we are on Sunday, January 31st is because my favorite pay-per-view of the year is happening today. Well, it's happening when this drops. I'm recording this a couple days before, well, Friday night. And um, it's, it's, a, it's an awesome thing. We are at the Royal Rumble Sunday. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff. We're going to get into Raw, AEW, SmackDown, uh, Wave 5 of uh, AEW figures were uh, leaked. A lot of leaks coming from those action figures and things. Some certain things were announced, certain things weren't announced. Um, we're going to also have uh, another Royal Rumble segment at the end of the show. Um, this will be a very packed show. We have NXT to talk about. We also have my Royal Rumble predictions. The only time this year I will do predictions on a pay-per-view. And we're doing this on Sunday. This is dropping on Sunday by the time you hear this. Hopefully you hear this on Sunday. Because on Monday, what's going to take place for the regular shows will be another show. will be extra content. February 1st will be the Royal Rumble review. So pretty much what's going to happen is I'm going to review the entire show. Not just the Rumble, the entire show. I've never actually done this before. Like Even when I watched the Royal Rumble on, on past shows... I would have to watch it twice because the first time I wouldn't take notes because this is the only pay-per-view of the year where I literally just sit there and I'm a little kid and I just enjoy it. You guys are going to take some of my enjoyment away, but I'm going to take notes. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to do the best I can. But this week we will have three shows. That's technically four shows because we have the Royal Rumble, uh, well, the regular show, then the Royal Rumble review, then the normal Wednesday show, and then we have the match of the month because the first Sunday doesn't come until next week. Uh, so I'm looking forward to all that. Let's get right into it. We're going to get to the big news of the week, which is the fact that WWE has sold the network streaming rights to Peacock, which is the NBC streaming service for $1 billion. This is going to make them a ton of money. And I heard something interesting. I think it was Dave Meltzer that said it, so I'm going to give him credit for it. If he isn't, I'll apologize if someone corrects me. Um, but I believe it was Meltzer. Meltzer, in his opinion, and I have an opinion of my own of this, this will motivate WWE, this will not motivate WWE to come out with good content. Because technically, I believe Peacock has 33 million subscribers. So technically, the WWE Network is going from 1 million subscribers to 33 million. Because even if you don't want the WWE Network, the fact that you're paying for Peacock already gives you WWE Network. And also, there's two tiers. One tier is the 499 tier, where it's with ads, and another tier is 999. The one thing that people are pushing is the fact that it'll be cheaper. I don't want to watch. I don't. I don't get streaming services to watch weekly sitcom the way that is, and I don't get streaming services to watch ads. Now, the only reason I have the Hulu version that has ads is because I have the Hulu version that comes with Hulu, ESPN Plus, and Disney Plus. So it's like $13.99. Whereas if you had, I could care less about ESPN. But it's like if you get those two separately, it's like $12.99, $13.99 each, which makes no sense to pay more when you get the bundle. Um, but otherwise, I 
they have no interest in that, so I'll still be paying $9.99 for it. Um, this starts March 18th, and I believe it's just going to bleed over. Um, the, my only concern is being charged double. And, I, and I'm wondering how that's going to work. I've been trying to look it up. Nothing's been really said about it yet. But I don't want my WWE Network to come out on March 15th. And then Peacock charges me another. I'm hoping that they'll credit you or something. Or if it, it just won't happen. Um, but apparently ESPN is done with WWE content after that. Because this is a competitor. But this what this does, this $1 billion... This makes UFC's next contract with US with ESPN crucial. Now, most of you that have they have ESPN Plus like I do, you know you get all that UFC content, but you don't get the pay per views. So I'm wondering if that will then make ESPN say, "Hey, um, do you want to add in your pay per views and we just raise this a little bit?" But see, that that would take so much money away from the fighters and all this other stuff. Um, so that's, the whole thing is interesting with streaming. Um, also, and I don't think this would be a possibility. I mean, I'm not going to say it's not a possibility. I'm going to get to my opinion in a second. I haven't forgotten about it. But <clears throat> it will be interesting if somehow AEW could come in. And I know they had Bleacher Report or they're on their app. But they could somehow work some kind of deal. To where they can then have ESPN doing what they did for WWE. That would be amazing. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, as far as what Melter said. I don't... Th- here's the thing. When it comes to content, extra content on the network. I don't think... It probably won't give them reasons to be motivated. No, matter of fact, let me take this back. They're not motivated with their weekly shows most of the time. Let's just be honest. They're not. You know, that's my freaking PlayStation. Let me put that on mute. They're not motivated with that. Let's just be honest. We have the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been in continuity and pretty consistent for 10, 12 years. WWE Raw can't stay consistent for three hours. Let's just be honest. Um, But the extra content they put on there, a lot of times it's pretty freaking fat. I don't watch all of it because it's so... Wrestling consumes my week already so much to where... If I watch something extra, it has to be something like a Wrestle Kingdom. It has to be something like, um, what's that tournament? The G1 Climax or something like that, you know? Something that's not happening every week. But they put some pretty, the documentaries they do on there, they're pretty damn good. You know what I'm saying? I know because it's wrestling, they don't, people don't think it's real or they deserve an award. But that Last Ride documentary, I would say it's right up there, tied with the last dance documentary, I thought it was so in depth. Um, the, the, yeah, to me, it's right up there because it's it's a side like, like we kind of already knew the, the 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 asshole Michael Jordan side of things, but then to hear other people's perspective for the first time, and I think it made it cool. Um, to me. Those two documentaries were 1A and 1A. There was no B. 1A and 1A, they were tied last year for must-watch television. I think that even if you weren't a wrestling fan or if you are a wrestling fan and you got out of it, you could appreciate that documentary. Um, I could see that on Netflix if they were to make a deal for that kind of thing. But anyways, um, 
I don't think it will make them lazy or making extra content. I think they will still make extra content. I think it will make them lazy as far as like adding content, like the live wires, like all the shotgun Saturday nights, like all the. Like, I, and I was thinking, I don't even know if these are on there. I, I truly, when I go on the network, I'm actually watch, going to watch something very, very, very specific. I think the last time I got on the network for something non pay per view was just like a couple of days ago, excuse me, a couple of weeks ago, and it was to watch the 1995 Royal Rumble. Um, but otherwise, like I don't, I often don't get on streaming services and look around at what the catalog is, which I've never done that. Like someone has to point something out to me, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna check that out, you know, when I have time. Um, but that's a lot of subscribers that even if they don't have any interest, think, imagine this. Imagine if you were a casual fan or you were a huge fan in the Add to Era, and now you have Peacock, and now I've looked around Peacock, it's nothing special, um, yet, you know. Um, but imagine that you can just now have access to the network and you can watch old stuff. There's no way that's not going to happen, you know? So this is a huge deal for them. I will, I, I really, I, I don't listen to many people's podcasts. I'm going to listen to a couple people's podcasts this week and get their perspective of it. Cause I just don't think, I think, I don't think it'll make them lazy about it, but I do think it will make them, um, tout more about it even though it's not really technically all of them doing it so that will be annoying but at the same time i don't even really have the commentary on. i very rarely have the commentary on because i find the commentary to be quite annoying so um yeah just this is huge this is a huge deal this is what they were talking about last year when they were trying to sell the pay-per-view rights to espn this is the story that broke exactly a year ago they were trying to sell the pay-per-view rights and the negotiations went nowhere and then COVID hit or whatever. Um, but look here, a lot of, the reason why Peacock took it for that much money is because I I literally have Peacock on my PlayStation. I downloaded it because I like the Rich Eisen podcast or the, not podcast, but the, uh, the weekly show. I, I think him and his cast of uh, Minions are funny. I don't want to call them Minions. Um, his clan is funny. Um, I apologize about that because I don't think they're minions. Um, but, uh, so I downloaded it just for that reason. And then when the blacklist came out, I wanted to see the first episode be, or the first two episodes because every, everybody's season got shortened and I knew this, I knew the way the blacklist was, it would get started for the bang. So I was watching that, it had ads, but I mean, I'm going to pay 10 bucks for it. I mean, look here, it's whatever. Um, but it's a huge thing. But I do disagree with what Dave Meltzer said as far as it makes him lazy on extra content. Once again, it depends, I guess, on what type of content you're talking about. Because if you're talking about extra wrestling shows and all this other stuff, like, yeah, maybe so, like the spe- like the Starcade specials and all that stuff. But if we're talking about like the documentaries and stuff, that you, they just dropped a, a day of with Batista. That's brand new, I believe. So it's like one of those things where it's like they do that type of stuff all the time because they know they have the footage for it. They know they're always recording. So I don't think that's going to make them lazier, but that's that's just me. But that's the news of the week. We're going to hit all the news and notes first, and then we'll hit the shows. Um, Rod McMahon, the brother of Vince McMahon, has passed away. I believe he passed away last Wednesday. So not this past Wednesday, the Wednesday before. The reason why I bring this up is because we've never seen him on TV. There was one time we were supposed to see him on television, though. It was 2007. It was the infamous... Vince McMahon got blown up angle, the angle that had so many things going, going, 
So you had a Vince McMahon that went into a canatonic stake after he lost the ECW championship back to Bobby Lashley. He's making that slow walk out there where you see a Paul London laughing or smiling. He he was smiling like he was on How to Catch a Predator, and, and he, he didn't know what to say, um, uh, which got him heat, apparently. And he, so he goes into the, the, the car, boom, blows up, limousine. The next week was supposed to be Rob McMahon coming out, helping give the eulogy for his brother. Well, um, that didn't happen because just two days before, we all know the Chris Benoit tragedy happened, which completely blew that angle up, completely turned wrestling upside down, turned, yeah, turned the world of wrestling upside down. And I don't think it's, it's almost 14 years later. I don't think this is too dramatic to say that day that whatever happened in that home, we, we know the murders happened, but whatever, we still feel the effects of that till this day, in my opinion, in the wrestling business, there's a certain things you see or don't see and some for the best, some just shouldn't have been seen. Um, but a lot of things we do not see anymore because of that. So uh, I just thought that was a fun fact that we should bring up. Rest in peace, condolences to Vince and his family. Revolution has officially been announced. It'll be on Sunday, March 7th. Um, I will actually order my first AEW pay-per-view. Usually I find other ways. I think I explained last week. Or did I explain last week? I don't remember. Um, but pretty much this is a guy on YouTube. I'm giving his... I don't, I'm not going to give his name away. But I mean, he, he, he gets caught pretty fast. But if you, this is a guy on YouTube that actually I'm subscribed to, and he literally watches the shows, and he puts them on YouTube as they're going on. So he puts the whole show up on YouTube as, YouTube as it's going on. So I, I got used to watching it, and someone sent me the link to it or whatever. But I'm actually going to order this this show, and it, it's, it, it's going to happen. And we knew it was going to happen. It's going to be Shaq and Jay Cargill versus Red Velvet and Cody Rhodes and because Brandy can't be in there and boy boy is Jim Cornette happy about that he is I like Jim I do he's one of the most volatile people though like I would not be talking well I guess you when you know no one's gonna beat you up or put hands on you you can talk about people's wives but I would not be talking about anyone's family dude now, you just never know but that maybe it's because that's because of where I come from um but to me it's clear that match is going to happen, even though it's not signed. But that match is going to happen. We're obviously going to have the one match, that, the only match is currently signed, which is the street fight. And I'm assuming it's a cinematic street fight where Sting and Darby Allen will be fighting Ricky Starks and Brian Cage of Team Taz. Um, and so I'm really curious to see how that's going to go. I think Ricky Starks is the right guy to be in there with Sting and Darby Allen and Brian Cage as well. I just say Ricky Starks because he can bump around for Sting because um, who knows how much damage he can take. But I guess in cinematic matches, you don't have to take much, but uh, we'll see. But speaking of AEW, look, when I saw Wave 5 leak, first of all, a few things leaked here. There was this picture of Cody because remember the one thing I asked about when I saw Wave 4. I said, hey, man, I want to pre-order Cody, but only if he comes with the TNT title. Sure enough, a couple days later, I'm on Instagram. Someone messages me. They're like, look at this. It leaked. So, and, then, and they just announced it today as I'm recording this show. It is a ringside exclusive. It's like a champion's 
theme and it's of Cody Rhodes and his gear of double or nothing and the the gear he wore in the finals of the TNT Championship tournament him him against Lance Archer and it's the original TNT Championship um you know that we're going to get a Brody Lee action figure with that TNT Championship and a dog collar soon I'm I'm not going to get it um cuz that's going to be that's going to be ignorantly priced and sold out in minutes um but I was really surprised that Wave 5, when I saw the, the leak of it is the back of a box. And then you see all the people who are on the Wave. So I, was, I wasn't surprised because I just said two of the people that... I was just talking to Jonathan Esther. I said two of the people that are on here are going to make a bunch of freaking money when they start printing, uh, getting out merchandise on them, right? So I, went, so I was kind of surprised, but not surprised. I was a little surprised not to see Sting on Wave 5. You know what I'm saying? I know he's coming. I'm, I, I'm assuming he won't be in a regular wave. He may be a ringside uh, collectibles exclusive. But wave five is like this. Jungle Boy, who, who had a hell of a match and a hell of a moment this past week. We'll get into that in a moment. Luchasaurus, another John Moxley, another Adam Hangman Page, Scorpio Sky, and Frankie Kazarian. I would have to assume Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky are going to be on there because they actually... When you see the picture, they had they had the tag team championships. So I'm assuming they're going to the tag team titles. Moxley has another one, and it looks like he's going to have the championship again. That's going to be interesting. I think the, it's going to be Adam Page with the long pants. And then you have Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Those are the two I was talking about. I said, can you imagine? And that's why when I did my, um, well, you guys are going to hear the next couple of weeks what I'm doing. And I'll tell you guys this before I wrap the show up. Um, but I said, can you imagine the merchandise? That they would do in WWE. And I, was saying, I know AEW is going to roll it out. I'm not saying I want these guys in WWE. I just did a fancy thing. A fancy booking of sorts, I guess. Air quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes. Um, and I just could see the merchandise all over Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy. and I could, I could just see the dollar bills flying around. Just with the character and all this other stuff. Um, so this looks, like, this looks like another strong wave. Um, I would only get four of them. Because uh, I have two of them. But, I mean, there's another strong way for these guys. I do know Jeremy Potter said that he wants to do a lot of different lines. He wants to do them monthly. The only way they're going to be able to do this shit monthly is if they get better at distribution. Like, Wave 2 just hit all the stores, all the Target, all the Walmart. So, here's how it's been going out here in the mountains. It's, um, first of all, it's, and that laugh just, I don't know if you guys could hear that, but that laugh just, that was uh, alone in the dark. He just laughed. That was, it was really loud. Um, so it looks like they'll put them on ringside collectibles first. So you have a chance to pre-order them first, right? Then once the pre-orders sell out, boom, they then start hitting stores. Some get more than others. Once they hit enough, it feels like they get two shipments in. And now what's happened with Wave 2 is, Wave 2 was in Walmart. You, they got two shipments of those to certain stores. Then they hit just targets. Got two shipments of those. And now they're done. Now, now what's, I'm assuming in February, Wave 3 is going to hit the stores. And so they're going to be behind. And yeah, you can say pre-ordering is easier. But then some people don't like pre-ordering. It's cheaper to find them in stores. Because you don't have to pay for shipping. Even if you use those codes, the codes are 10% off. But they're they're paying for essentially for the shipping, but it's still eight to nine to ten dollars more a figure. So if you have a strict budget, which a lot of people do, 
they have, they have to wait till they have them in stores if they can find them. I've been lucky enough to find these things in stores. Like I'm looking at them right now. Of wave one, I have three extras. Wave six, I have what one, two, three, three extras. But I have an entire. And I, I wasn't even gonna get the entire wave two. But anyways, the point is like they need to get better with this distribution. They know now what they have. They know they're gonna sell out. They know they know they know. So they just need to find a better way of distributing these things. Um, otherwise, it's just it's gonna be a freaking mess. Um, speaking of AW, so a lot of things about that show because they were promoting the hell that Jungle Boy, uh, uh, Cash, not Cash, uh, Dax. What's his name? Dax. Let me look at this. Let me look at my notes. Yeah, Dax. They were prom- promoting the hell out of that match. I was like, they must. I was like, I was like how are they promoting it? I didn't realize it, but it, it, that show was taped the last Thursday, so that made sense. Just in case, I want to say it now, just in case. Um, I, don't, I forget to say it later on. Uh, also, Natty and Tamina are going to fight on backstage in a wrestling match. The winner gets a number 30th entrant. And who can care less about either one of these people? That, and I like Natalia. And I like Tamina. I really do. You have these two fighting for a number 30. We already know neither one of them, neither one of them have a chance at winning. They're going to come in and get eliminated immediately. I'll get to my predictions later. I've already said my prediction earlier this year, and I think it was last year. I'm going to say it again this year. Right now, I guess this year is right too, right? But come on. These two of all people, I I literally put that and I put ha, ha, ha. Like I'm the freaking joker or something. Last bit of news I want to talk about before we get into Raw. Arn Anderson on his podcast. He said something very interesting. So Arn sat Cena down apparently in 2015. And he said Cena had 100% control of what he would do. And so Arn said, hey, I'm thinking that we should bring some people in. You know, I guess he had talked to Triple H or whatever. He said, hey, the things we're looking at bringing in are Bobby Roode um, and AJ Styles. And uh, on James Storm. And uh, Cena said, well, we don't need them. Arn was like, what do you mean? They can go. He said, dude, we make our own stars. I once again wrote down, ha, ha, ha. And he said Cena was completely against the signing of them. And here's my thing. We all know Cena's made some very, very big mistakes when it comes to certain things. Like the whole Nexus thing comes to mind when he completely beat them both, beat them all, and it completely killed the Nexus. No one even know. And here's the thing. Here's the fun fact. People forget that Wade Barrett ended up beating John Cena in a one-on-one match. Yeah, he had help. But he beat him in a one-on-one match two months later. No one could care they stopped caring once that happened. I'm telling you right now, AJ Styles needed John Cena, but John Cena needed AJ Styles. I don't care what anyone says. So yeah, we know Cena was a main man. We know Styles did not need WWE to be a Hall of Famer. We know these things. But when they came together, it was mad. Imagine this. When those two were first in the ring together, I can't remember where they, where they were, but those fans were going, they were going unglued, man. They were, um, people were like, this is fucking awesome. And, uh, and those good brothers were on the the, uh, the ramp, talking trash to AJ, and Styles turned heel that night. But I'm telling you right now, Styles needed that. The same way Kevin Owens needed that, you know. And I get that Cena was, Cena's always been a company guy. We know that. We respect that, whatever. 
But seeing it even in his heart of hearts, and now that he's been away from wrestling, I think he can probably have much more perspective, better perspective on it. But I guarantee you when he starts doing like sit-down interviews and maybe a documentary will be done about him as well. Because in my opinion, he is the greatest superstar. Not greatest champion, not greatest character. He's the greatest superstar in WWE history. And when I say that, I mean he's a guy that was homegrown in their system. He had, what, one gimmick of the rapper before he became who he is. And he had the hot, the longest streak of being on top. I don't think Bruno, because, well, let's see, if he's, if he's on top, it's 2005. So let's say from 2005 to 2017, that's 12 years of pure dominance up top. No one has 12 years. No one. I don't even think San Martino has 12 years. Um, but for him to say that is just so, and I had this conversation with someone today, today or the other day, when you work for somebody for so long, you do get brainwashed into their method, right? Cause that's what you have to spew. That's what you have to say all the time. So it's kind of like, well, you know, they don't do this or they don't do that. Or we do this or we do that. And it just, it's funny how they get, just get manipulated. And I can't blame them cause we all do it. We all work a job, whether it's on TV or if it's in a freaking office, but like it's, 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 I would love to hear him because I think he's honest in most in his interviews. I would love to hear him retort to that because he had to know by the time styles got to WWE, he had, he got put in the, the, the match with Roman Reigns, two matches in a row, great fucking matches. And he got put in those matches with Roman Reigns. After Vince McMahon, you could tell you could tell that was a test. You could tell Vince McMahon saw that reaction at the Royal Rumble and was like, "Yeah, anyone can get pop in their hometown." Because essentially, Impact was his home for so long. Not anybody could do that. Then you have a decent match with Jericho. Eh, let's see, let's see who you're against the next guy. And they blew that shit out the park. They well, not, not blew it. They hit it out the park. Two night, two matches in a row. All right. Now let's put him in the ring with the man. At that time, Cena didn't. Cena couldn't wrestle anyone else, and 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 it felt special. Cena needed Styles just as much as Styles needed Cena. Cena needed to needed to take the championship off Styles. There was no one else he could do it to. He had done it to everybody else already. I think that's what you forget. Even if you have NXT talent or whatever, that's that's cool. There's just certain people though, man. They're special. And we all know AJ Styles is freaking special. So when I heard that, I laughed. But it also made me kind of sad because it's kind of like, damn, I guess it is true. So, I mean, you know it's true. But it's like when you get to the top sometimes, you just, I don't think you can see at the bottom. And and once again, a lot of people look at the indies as the bottom. And I, and including Vince. And who knows the conversations that Vince and Cena have had. You know? So, like, I hope Cena's changed his mind on indie guys. I mean, he's been in the ring with Kevin Owens. He's been in the ring with, with AJ Styles. These are air quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes. Indie guys. They can go. You know? So, I just thought that would be, be interesting to talk to. I'd love to know you guys' opinion on that. Um, but I do think Arnold Smith's podcast is pretty fun. Even though you're not getting too, too much background stuff, you'll get little gems like that. So, anyways, 
let's get let's have Raw. Raw. Edge did a cut a promo from his house, uh, saying that he will be in the Royal Rumble. Um, there's a lot of big names in this Rumble. We have we have one more return this week too. So, and we still have some names that have not been announced for his Rumble. I, I've looked it up. Some names have not been announced for his Rumble. We'll get into that in a second. Um, Styles is the gatekeeper. He's three for three and denying people a Rumble spot this week. He denied our truth a spot, which is fine. Only thing I'd say about the Ric Flair storyline: stupid. Matt Riddle will get his U.S. title shot. I, I don't I, I don't remember if it was announced for the Rumble. I think it was, though. So we'll do that in the predictions. I do like the Ali thing. I think that's kind of cool, the callback with, with how he wants to... He, he resents Kofi, even though Kofi wasn't the one that injured him or whatever. Um, Kofi's run of 11 straight Royal Rumble appearances will end. He will not get a 12th in a row. Um, but this can be a WrestleMania-worthy match. They won't do it at WrestleMania. They're going to do it at Fastlane or the Elimination Chamber, clearly. But I'm kind of hoping Kofi's injury to his jaw keeps him out until WrestleMania. This is a WrestleMania-worthy match. Ali versus Kofi, that can be a classic match. Those two guys can do a lot of things together, and I can see a great match out of that. But that's just me. Alexa Bliss defeats Asuka. By DQ after Randy Orton RKO's the hell out of her. Something he should have did weeks ago. Put her out of her misery. Um, she went full fiend mode here. Like, you, Asuka couldn't hit her. Nothing. Um, the only thing I didn't like was that Asuka is supposed to be this guy, this 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 unstoppable force. She is this unstoppable force. You, you kind of turn her into a, 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 a regular baby face. And Asuka is so much better than that. Um, I think Alexa Bliss is doing a great job here. This is clearly not ending. I don't think this is even ending at the Rumble because th- there's no match announced. So there's clearly no match between Randy Orton and The Fiend. As a matter of fact, Randy Orton is in the Royal Rumble. So I'm going to have to assume that this is going to lead to some type of match at Elimination Chamber. Or hell, this may be the Mania match. Orton versus Bray Wyatt. Um, and, and maybe a Firefly. Firefly Funhouse match because remember WrestleMania is two. I lost my words there. WrestleMania is two nights again, so I can't imagine. And but I think last year the first Mania was three and a half hours. The first night, the second night was four hours or close to four hours. So I can see it being that. I mean, it seems like they're pushing it to that that effect. Oh, and the last thing about this. No, no, we have one more thing. But these are two things I want to make fun of. Jackson Riker. By the way, I didn't say this a couple weeks ago when I saw it because I couldn't find the clip after I uh, watched it. But Brian Alvarez said the funniest thing I've heard. He said Jackson Riker, Jackson Riker, was turning face on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. How appropriate! I couldn't stop. I literally laughed my effing ass off. I was like, that is a great line. So for all you Brian Alvarez haters, he is now my best friend for life after that one line. But I won't make fun of this because Jackson Riker and Elias were able to declare for the Royal Rumble. Now remember what Adam Pierce said. There is a list of people that can declare and there's a list of people that cannot declare. I would have never thought if I was a betting man in a million years that Jackson Riker can't even say his name right, Jackson Riker and Elias, two guys who have never won anything on the main roster, anything in NXT, they've been terrible, matter of fact, one was off television for making essentially a stupid comment, 
they can declare for the Rumble. As opposed to R-Truth being a former United States two-time United States champion, a two-time tag team champion, and a hundred-time 24-7 champion, and actually having a main event match with his hero John Cena, cannot declare for the Royal Rumble. Think about that, people. These two can declare themselves. They're on the list. AJ Styles does not need to be their gatekeeper. But they can qualify for the Rumble. That silence was on purpose. I just wanted you to sink. I just wanted that to sink in, and you'd be pissed off at me because you had to think about it for a second. Anyways, that six-woman tag team match that we saw, where Shayna Baszler got counted out. Well, the reason why I had a bunch of people ask me if that was a botch. Yes, it was a botch. She was not supposed to be tagged out. I mean, counted out, and that's why they restarted the match. So, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. I just want to make fun of those two things. And now we're moving on to AEW. AEW. Adam Hangman Page defeated Ryan Nemeth. Ryan Nemeth is Dolph Ziggler's brother. If you didn't watch it, just cut on YouTube. They look just alike. Same color hair and everything. Um, So, you can't... you You can tell them apart, but, I mean, they look just alike. They're brothers, clearly. Um, Matt Hardy came out to the ring to watch Adam Page's match. And as he's leaving, uh, Tony Schiavone walks down because, of course, the AEW no, uh, announcers are all nosy. And so um, Adam Page said, what were you doing here? And Matt Hardy said, hey, man, there's no strings attached. I know what you're going through. I see you're by yourself. You can use my locker room. My locker room is huge. No strings attached. I'm not trying to get you or anything. Just letting you know you have a friend in me. And so Adam Page just has head down, and Shivani then said, "Might want to think about that." Well, um, this can be interesting. People try, everybody's trying to recruit Adam Page here. And one thing I still maintain is, by the end of this year, Adam Page is going to have that AEW World Heavyweight Championship around his shoulder. Mark my words. By the end of this year, he's just he's still finding himself, but he's he's going to be fine. So Penta L Zero was injured. Apparently, he's cleared now. That's why he got the beat down last week. But he's having visa issues. So next week at Beach Break, we're going to have two-thirds of Death Triangle teaming with John Moxley to face the Bullet Club of Omega and the Good Brothers. Um, but that's where that beat down came from, just in case you guys weren't, weren't uh, were wondering. Jungle Boy versus Dax. Now look here. They were, they were hyping this match 24 hours before. And that's why I said earlier, I was like, this, this show must have been taped because they were really hyping up Jungle Boy. This was a star-making match. This was a great fucking match. Match also had a great stipulation where Luchasaurus would be handcuffed to both Tully Blanchard and Cash so they couldn't be a part of it. And the way Jungle Boy won was via submission. I was super surprised. It came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting him to tap. But afterwards... The, heel, the heels beat down Luchasaurus. They even cut off his, his horns to his mask. Then they almost tried to cut off Jungle Boy's hair. I was like, holy crap. They're trying to get some real heat here. They're, they're trying to start a fucking 1980s riot. Um, but this was a really good match. If you can find this somewhere on YouTube, like the full match, not the four-minute clip that AEW puts up, you need to watch this. This was a really good match. Jungle Boy is going to be a star. Luchasaurus is going to be a star. I would not be surprised... If those tag team titles go to them. And we're going to get to that in a second. But I wouldn't be surprised if those tag team titles go to them. I really hope they don't get the Enzo and Cass treatment. 
Enzo and Cass never won the tag team titles in WWE. Not in NXT and not in on the main roster. And then they were separated very prematurely. But I'm telling you right now, many years from now, the way we talk about Mark, uh, hey, who's the Mario Gennetti of the team? We're going to say, hey, who's the Enzo and Kaz of the tag team division? Where they're super over, they both play their position, and somehow they don't get gold around their waist. And hell, you can say the Rockers too, because the Rockers technically never held. Well, no, they held tag team, tag team titles in the AWA at least. Um, but uh, they never held them in WWE. But this was a star-making moment. I know so many people before were, were, were always saying to me, well, you know, Jungle Boy, he's decent, but, you know, Luchasaurus is going to be a real star. I said, yeah, I hear you. But they can both be stars. And this was a great match. I, I definitely think um, this is worth a watch. Uh, Britt Baker, I think she won this match. I don't remember. I know she had a match. I was... I was writing notes, so I wasn't super into it. So you have to go back to watch that. So that's not, no, I, I, I'm just being honest there. The interview with the Bucks and the Good Brothers was a great segment. You know, they're talking, and um, Don Callis comes, oh, Kenny Omega comes and says, hey, we need to talk. So you're like, all right, sure. Don Callis comes with this big, just old, just completely exact, it went from him having a black eye to now him having all these freaking, what are they called, gauze and stuff. He's, he's, they're just gone up, taped around his face. He looks so ridiculous. He looks so ridiculous. Just overselling this beatdown. The I can see this being now. Now here's 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 something interesting. I think I thought about clearly Omega and the Bucks. I mean Omega is gonna go full heel, right? right? Like he is, he's gone heel, but he hasn't gone full heel and like like beat up the Bucks yet, right? It's clear the Bucks. And Omega are going to take out the Young Bucks. Not Bucks. I mean the Good Brothers. The Good Brothers and Omega are going to take out the Young Bucks. It's, I can see that coming from a mile away, dude. And it's not because it's obvious. It's just because you see the Good Brothers trying to be the peacemakers. But that, I think that's fake. I think that's false. I'm, I'm saying right now, the good, in my opinion, the Good Brothers and Omega are going to beat down the Bucks somehow. And you know what they may do? They may, because there's a battle royal next week. To determine the number one contender for the tag team titles. The Bucks are in the Rumble. So if the Bucks win, they choose their opponent for Revolution. I don't think they need to win. I think last time they had Tag Team Battle Royal, which they uh which was last year. They won that by eliminating the inner circle last. And that's how they got the tag team championship match against Omega and Page before that classic match at Revolution. I'm hoping the Bucks don't win, but if the Bucks do win, whoever they choose, and I'll get to that in my predictions later, I think they're gonna. I think the the Good Brothers are gonna cost them the tag team titles at Revolution. Just my opinion. Um, but that was good stuff, though. I appreciate this. The over exaggeration of it. Uh, the main event was the Dark Order versus the Bucks and the uh, Good Brothers. Uh, this was fun. First of all, we already know John Silver is a talented guy. He's a funny guy. But Stu Grayson. Like, I don't, I guess I haven't been really paying attention to Dark Order, and I'm paying attention more to them now because I'm wondering what they're going to do with them now that Brody's gone. But Stu Grayson was the, the MVP of this match. He was all over the place, dude. Uh, the match ends with the Meltzer driving in the end, though. Um, this was just fun. I like this match. It was a good main event. Um, the, the the finish was never in any question, though. It just wasn't. Uh, at the end of this, uh, Ray Phoenix came out to attack. Um, he is, ends up getting the better the better uh, half of them, better half, better end of them, better end of them, whatever. Um, this was one spot where 
Phoenix is running to do a dive on the outside. He does a dive and does a flip and lands so almost perfectly on the railing. It was like, you know that wasn't supposed to happen. You overshot him, and it was just crazy. Um, but then Moxie comes out, and so is Omega, and he hits Omega with one hell of a uh, paradigm shift, and Omega sells, sells, sells it like death. Just fantastic. Um, and the last two things we'll talk about here, to me, they were all right. Like Lance Archer, um, the A. Kingston Lance Archer thing is clearly going to go even further. They've attacked Jake Roberts now. Um, Eddie Kingston got the win, but he took a choke slam from the ring to the outside and it just looked terrible. But this is going to obviously continue. Um, and he did, but they put hands on Jake though. They're going to get, they're going to get fucked up. That's clear. MJF and Chris Jericho got the win against the Hollywood Blonde. Not the, I said Hollywood Blonde. I'm thinking about the, 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 the group that his, his father was in, Varsity Blondes, um, in a decent match. Jericho did not botch the line salt this time, which was clearly an FU to the uh, the people that uh, were making fun of him on social media, which I thought was pretty fucking funny. Um, NXT. Oni and Birch, they lose to Kyle O'Reilly and... And Finn Balor. At the end, uh, Dunn comes out. And uh, Undisputed Air have to come out. They took their time. But they came out and they were standing tall. And, and it, those four just looked right together. You know? Because, um, as you know, Bobby Fischer out. I don't think Finn Balor is joining them, though. But, once again, February 14th is lining up to be such a great night. Well, if you have a loved one, Finn, congratulations. But I'm talking about not Valentine's Day. It's about NXT and how you have already announced now Io Shirai defending the women's championship in a triple threat match against Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm. I'm looking forward to that. And it's not announced yet, but you know we're going to get the Dusty Finals and Finn Balor and Pete Dunne for that NXT championship. Mwah. It's going to be fucking perfect. Um... I already mentioned it, but EO and Tony Storm fight, and Mercedes Martinez get they get into it. Once again, I wrote this down before I even saw the announcement. It was clear they're going to a four triple threat match. Um, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez advanced to the next round in the women's Dusty Classic. MSK defeated uh, Drake Maverick and Killian Dane to advance in the Dusty Classic. Kushida and Ruff lose cleanly to the Grizzled Young Vets, and the Grizzled Young Vets. Have Kushida's number. Last year, Kushida was in the Dusty Classic, lost in the first round, him and Alex Shelley, to the Grizzled Young Vets. Um, at the end of the match, uh, the way beat down, if you don't know who the way is, it's Johnny Gargano and then Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell, and Austin Theory. Austin Theory and uh, Johnny Gargano came in and beat down Kushida until Dexter Loomis was just staring at them. And they uh, slowly but quickly backed off. So here's how the men's Dusty Classic looks in the semifinals. We're going to have the uni- but the Universal Undisputed Era versus Champa and Thatcher. Phantasma versus Lucha House Party. And the women's Dusty Classic looks like this. The Way, Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae versus either Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart or Shafir and Stark. And we already have a semifinal match set up. So it's Casey Canzaro and Caden versus Dakota Kai and Rick Agu- Raquel Gonzalez. They're clearly 
I heard this. I think credit to Salamaster sounds off. I think I think he said this. He thinks Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez are gonna win the Dusty Classic for the women's side, and they're gonna take the tag team championships off of Asuka and Charlotte Flair, which I didn't think of that. I didn't think that I didn't I didn't know why they were doing a women's Dusty Classic. You know, I just thought they I was like, well, all right, whatever the bleep. You know, but that makes me more intrigued now. If that's a thing, that makes me more intrigued. But, you know, I just don't see anyone being able to beat. I mean, it's clear that Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart are going to win. And I think Shotzi, Shotzi and Ember Moon have to get their revenge because they lost to the way, well, part part of the way, in that women's war games match. So I'm assuming that's going to be the semifinals. And that's going to lead Ember Moon and Shotzi to win. I just don't think Casey and Caden can get the the upset for two weeks in a row. Um, not on the, even if you have Dakota Kai in there, I get that. But Raquel is on fire right now, and I don't think they're. I think they're protecting her fully. So I see. I don't see them beating her. But anyways, um, that's your NXT SmackDown. Braun Strowman returned as every Raw star you could think of. Invaded SmackDown because of the quarterly invitational. I completely forgot that was a thing. Because it's so stupid. Why would I remember? So we have in the show The Miz and Morrison, AJ Styles, almost Braun Strowman. Who else is on this? Who else is on this? It was every raw person you can think of was on this essentially. Um but Braun returned to, so that adds another big name to his Royal Rumble. Um I he's he's not winning it. Uh, Bianca, Bianca Belair defeated Bailey clean in the ring. That's a huge win before the Rumble, but that's why I don't think she's gonna win the Rumble now. Now, because at first my pick was her, then I changed it. And if you guys haven't heard that, it's in the archives. But I'll tell you again tonight, uh, today. Uh, Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens have this split conversation interview or whatever, where Reigns brings up. Uh, Kevin Owens' grandfathers and father, and it gets him hot. And when Kevin Owens keeps talking, Reigns just puts his hand up. Paul Heyman hands him a remote. He cuts his channel. He just goes blank. He cuts his own channel off. So now Owens is talking to himself. It's kind of like when you block somebody or you put them on mute, and they're just messaging you. But they're talking. To, they're, they're essentially talking to themselves because you're not even reading it. You see it, but you see them talking to themselves. So it's pretty funny. And at the end of the night, was it was a completely convoluted thing. It started with a date, uh, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan one-on-one match. Ended up being like, I think, like eight-man tag. I don't know. I can care less about any of this stuff. I want to talk about the stuff that's really more important right now. Let's talk about Beach Blast. The card for Beach Blast looked like this so far. Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker. And a match has been brewing for months. Literally been brewing since the end of 2020. I'm so looking forward to this. Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford are getting married with the best man Miro there and Charles Taylor, which this is prime for Kip Sabian, Kip, uh, yeah, Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford are about to get fucked over. And I'm going to love every second of it. This is not going to go off without a hitch. A number one contenders battle role for, for a shot at Revolution at the Tag Team Championships. Here are the teams that are in it. The Young Bucks. And remember, if the Bucks win, they get to choose their own opponent. FTR, Hager and Sammy, Jericho and MJF, Proud and Powerful. The entire inner circle's in this thing. The Dark Order, I would have to assume 
John Silver and uh, who's who's the other one? I just said his name. John Silver and Stu Grayson. I have to assume they're representatives. Private Party. We already know they're not winning. They have a they have a date with the Good Brothers and the tag teams Impact tag team titles uh, at their next pay per view. Impacts Jurassic Express, the acclaimed and top flight. That is a hell of a tag team battle royal. I don't know who's gonna win this because I it, it just feels like the Bucks talking about it and the way they were pu- pushing it, it feels like a Bucks win and they're gonna choose their opponents. Here's my thing: the way it was looking was like the Lucha Brothers were gonna get it, but with Penta L Zero. Having these visa issues, I don't know. And they're not even in it. So, I would have to assume plans have changed. So, my heart is saying Jurassic Express. It just is. And if th- I, I, I'm going to go with Jurassic Express. Even though I truly think the original plan after what the Lucha Brothers did to Young Bucks was the Lucha Brothers. But they're not in it. So now, if somehow Penta L Zero fixes his visa issues and the Lucha Brothers, well, they won't be in it either way because in the main event is, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to go with Jurassic Express. F it. There's, there's going to be tension between, because I could see MJF eliminating Sammy and Hager. And that would be the impetus for Sammy then losing his shit and eliminating Jericho and MJF. I just don't see anyone else here that's... No, I'm going to go with Jurassic Express. Royal Rumble. Let's get to this. We have for the WWE Championship, Drew McIntyre versus Bill Goldberg. Goldberg has never held the WWE Championship. He's had three world title runs in WWE. He's held a big gold belt in 2003. And he's held the Universal Championship twice. I don't see a Goldberg win here. Here's why. I don't know. I don't think any WrestleMania plans are in line yet. I just don't. I don't see it. I don't feel it. It's not in my bones. I still feel like you guys are going to hate me for saying this. But Goldberg, it looks like he's going one-on-one with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania for that Universal Championship. And no, he's not winning the Rumble to do it. But he's going to get that shot. Reigns is still taking shots at this guy in interviews. There's a reason why he's keeping this thing going and keeping it fresh in people's mind. Because Reigns is saying stuff now, not just Goldberg. That it has to be them going at each other at WrestleMania, which is look here. That'll be his two matches and he'll be done. But he shouldn't be in any more championship matches. Period. And I don't even want to see that match. And I think it's a waste of a Roman Reigns year where he's on top. But this is my opinion. You have Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens in a Universal Championship last minute standing match. I just gave a wave of finish, in my opinion. Reigns, I don't see Drew or Re- Drew McIntyre nor Roman Reigns need to be losing those championships right now. They need to both go into WrestleMania as champion, and perhaps both need to leave with it. Asuka and Charlotte will go and defend their tag team championships against Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. I forgot to say this about the Raw thing. Nia Jax got some heat because she did a choke slam on Danny Brooke that looked like it was a botch. It looked really snug. To me, it just looks snug. I didn't th- compared to some of her other very well-known botches. This wasn't that. This was just a, a snug choke slam. Um, 
we gotta remember Nia Jax is a big woman and Dana Brooke is tiny. So it should look that way, right? You know, I mean, unless someone could show me another angle, I looked at the thing like five or six times and I even messaged like four or five people say, hey, what what does she do? Or is it just pile up on Nia Jax? Because I don't look at, I don't care. If you guys want to do what you guys do, that's completely okay with me. I just didn't see what everybody else saw. So I don't know, but I'm sure I'll get some feedback and you guys tell me what that's about. Uh, three of these women will be pulling double duty. Charlotte, Nia Jax, and Shayna are all in the Royal Rumble, the women's version. I believe I saw this, that Big E will defend the Intercontinental Championship against Sami Zayn. I could have swore she may have been against Apollo Crews, but someone sent me the list of the matches, and that's what it said. So I'm going to assume this is what it is. So no matter what, Big E's winning. So I put right here Sami Zayn or Apollo Crews. Big E's winning no matter what. He's retaining the Intercontinental Championship. Matt Riddle or Riddle versus Lashley. Matt Riddle was asking this for this match to be in a fight pit, and Lashley was making fun of him for it. For the U.S. title, Lashley was keeping that U.S. title. The Men's Royal Rumble has a lot of names in there, with the exception of the two who somehow made the Dean's list in Jason Riker and Elias. Taking those two out, you have a ton of people that can win this thing. Braun Strowman, who has... For his part in the men's greatest Royal Rumble, which I don't put in continuity with the, with the original Royal Rumble, has 13 eliminations. Former Universal Champion, former Intercontinental Champion, former Tag Team Champion. He's in there. He's back now. You have AJ Styles, the gatekeeper. You have Daniel Bryan. You have Big E. You have Sheamus. You have one name that I have not heard if they're in the Rumble or not. And that's Keith Lee. I don't know if he's in the Rumble. I have not heard him declare. I have not heard anything about this guy. But over the last several weeks, my views have changed. At first, I was all thinking that Keith Lee would get his one-on-one championship match against Drew McIntyre. I no longer think that's going to happen. Because um, here's my thing. With us no- now knowing that Cena is locked into a WrestleMania match... And we still have to see Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins was was to re-debut two, three weeks ago. They pushed that back. I'm assuming they pushed that back because these two are going to be in the Rumble. And I think the way you... Maybe not Rollins. Because Rollins is not part-time. But John Cena, you put him in this Rumble. And I I, I don't want to guess a bunch of predictions. I'm just guessing this because I think it fits my narrative or my idea. If you put John Cena in this match, which I think he's going to be, you put him in this match to set up his WrestleMania match. Against who? I have no fucking idea. But I think that's what you do with this. So I, so I don't think Cena's winning. Rollins is a former Royal Rumble winner. He's not winning. Braun's not winning. Styles is not winning. I'm still going to... Nakamura's not winning. I'm still going with the tried and true. I'm still going with the story that I think can work. And here's the problem. The person I think... I, I just said Goldberg is going to... It looks like Goldberg and... Reigns are going to wrestle at WrestleMania, right? And I don't want to talk, that into, and talk that into existence. But there's something about... This year reminds me of... Whatever year Del Rio... Won the Royal Rumble. If you look at the build to that year... The only person that talked about the Royal Rumble... In such detail... 
every week was Alberto Del Rio. I remember going into that wrestle, that Royal Rumble, and it was a 40-man rumble, and it was a terrible rumble. Because they didn't even have enough men to figure to fill it out. I think Dolph had, uh, had a championship match. He lost and was in the rumble. Orton had did double duty. Anyways, the only person that's really been giving a story has been Daniel Bryan. So here's my hope. That Daniel Bryan will win the Royal Rumble. I, uh, I, I know I just said it looks like Goldberg and, and Reigns are gonna go and go against each other Mania. I know I said that. I hate myself for saying it. Trust me. But I don't know. This feels like that. Yeah, well, I can't remember what year it was either. Damn. But actually, it just feels like the only person that's saying anything. Everyone else is saying, "I'm this to the Rumble. I'm that to the, whatever." Right. No one's telling the story of why they should win, though. I just, mm, I just think it, it just looks like it, it looks like a Daniel Bryan win. I know the rumor was a few years, a few weeks ago, Daniel Bryan is not locked. There's two others that they're considering. If, if it's two other, if it's two other people they're considering, it's gotta be because they're surprises, and they're coming in or they're coming back. Otherwise, this this has to be the Daniel Bryan story. Because he has gone face to face with Paul Heyman and talking smack, and it turned out this 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 it's, it's just been a natural story. So that's what I'm going with: Daniel Bryan to win his first ever Royal Rumble, and going to WrestleMania on one of these two nights to challenge Roman Reigns. I'm hoping I'm wrong about the Goldberg thing, but this is what I'm going with right now. I'm contradicting myself, I know. The Women's Rumble, just a few names: Rhea Ripley. I mean, excuse me, Charlotte. Alexa Bliss, Bianca Belair, Bailey. I for I think in September I thought Bianca was gonna win this thing. Then Rhea went and really had her curtain call in a in NXT. I'm going with my original. Now I'm going with my prediction. That I said late last year, early this year, Rhea Ripley will debut on the main roster as an official main roster talent, not just an NXT talent. In the Rumble and win the Royal Rumble. Somehow Charlotte's going to get that belt either off Asuka or off... Well, I don't, I don't think it's going off of Sasha. So it's going to have to come off at Asuka. And Rhea's getting that win back. WrestleMania. So that is my predictions for the Royal Rumble. I hope you guys enjoy. Please join me tomorrow. It will be the Royal Rumble uh, review. I review every match and the and the Royal Rumble itself. And just so you guys know, a programming note. For the next two weeks, I will be completely off. There will still be podcasts, though. I literally recorded. I went recording crazy in the last couple weeks. So the Wednesday shows are already just going to... They're there. They're uploaded. They're just... They just are going to click on like they normally do. And I've, on, I've already recorded two shows for the next two Sundays... The next two Sundays, we're going to do something different. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a fantasy booking of sorts. You have AEW and WWE. And we're going to book out a year. And here's how we're doing it. We're taking 10 superstars. AEW is going to be able to cherry pick 10 stars from WWE. There's no trade. It's just they're taking them. And for one year, we're going to book them out. Some people may be intertwined more than others. So you're going to have more detail on some and more detail than others. And same thing with Raw. WWE is going to take 10 
AEW talents and booked them out for a full year. It's just something something different to have fun with. It will still be podcast, but I'm probably not going to... I may watch the the aftermath of the Rumble on Raw or SmackDown, but I'm going to give myself a two-week break to replenish, refresh. And when I come back in three weeks, it will be um, like I was never gone. Because guess what? There'll still be shows there. Um, I already have them recorded. I'm actually going to... And when I'm done recording this, I'm actually going to go and upload them now. Um, But yeah, just want to give that programming note. Uh, It will be a live content, especially this week. You're going to have four different shows. So, anyways, uh, that is the show for this week. Actually, no, technically it's not. We have another 30 minutes where some extra content I recorded on the Royal Rumble will be after this scratch. You're going to hear it, and um, that's all I got. But I'm looking forward to talking to you guys in a couple weeks. Enjoy the Royal Rumble. Hey, we're back, and this is Royal Rumble Sunday. I am super excited about it, and we today are going to end the show with the top 10 Royal Rumble moments, my top 10 Royal Rumble moments. I'm sure you have yours. I have mine, and so let's just get right into it. And these are in no particular order. I just wrote them down like when I thought about them. So number one. For me, it was Nakamura winning the Royal Rumble. Yeah, it's probably the highlight of his WWE main roster career. Um, but to me, it was so surprising, so shocking. Um, and that was just a really good Royal Rumble match, a very entertaining Royal Rumble match. And I said this earlier in the uh, either at the end of the year last year or the very beginning of the very first show of this year. I said they can no longer use the vice of Roman Reigns being the last guy in the Rumble to get that person over. They didn't need that at the time, but I think it, it always helps. But to me, that did do him favors because I'm sure people thought, well, well Reigns is winning, you know. And so, and AJ Styles had a match. He was WWE champion at that point. He had a match earlier in the night where it was a handicap match against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And so, like, then you knew right there, oh, Nakamura versus AJ Styles. And even though the match wasn't what people expected, I think people forget, man, that New Japan group is just, that it's just a different beast, man. You need to lower your expectations when you have an American show as opposed to a uh, Japanese show. And I think sometimes we see these amazing hour-long matches, and it's like, dude, sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes is a good match. Sometimes it can be overkill. And I think the the Edge and Randy Orton matches prove that. Not every match needs to be long. You know, some matches can go 10, 15 minutes and it can still be considered a classic, you know. But that's my number one, Nakamura winning the Royal Rumble. Number two, Ric Flair goes from number three to the WWE Championship. This is arguably the best Royal Rumble match ever. I know some people are pointing out the talent that was in it. The only knock I have on, on that when people say that is, if you look at the talent, was in, without a doubt, the talent is there. But Shawn Michaels was not Shawn Michaels yet. You know what I'm saying? He was not who he would end up becoming. Um, you did have Sid Vicious. You did have Hulk Hogan. You did have Macho Man Savage. You did have Jake Roberts. You did have The Air Taker. You did have Hulk Hogan. 
Um, you had you had Roddy Piper who just won the Intercontinental Championship earlier in the night. You had so many possibilities. And for Flair, a NWA guy, to come in and win that championship, it lets you know how much respect that Vince had for him. It lets you know how much respect that you as a fan should have for him. And so for me, to me, the commentary, without a doubt, is the greatest commentary job of all time on a Royal Rumble match. Um, there's been other moments where I can think of, like at the 95 Rumble when Sean won. There was a spot in there where I don't know why this is so funny. But the chemistry between Vince and Jerry Lawler was just perfect. And uh, Lawler was talking about how he's timing it himself. He said, look at Mickey's hand. And Lawler, and uh, Vince said, Mickey's hand? It, it, there's moments like that. But from number one until Sid Vicious was eliminated, thanks to Hulk Hogan, that was between Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heen, that was the best commentary job on the Royal Rumble match to this day. It's, I cannot, it's, I've tried watching that show, like, just like, sometimes I'll cut things on, and let's say if I get tired of YouTube or whatever, if I'm doing homework or something, I'll just cut something on, I'll put it on mute. I, I came to the conclusion years ago, when it like when the WWE Network became a thing, obviously, I came to the conclusion a while ago that I cannot have that match on without listening to the commentary. That is essential to that match. It can't just be on. I can walk out the room. I can do whatever. I can go take a dump, whatever the situation may be. If I have that match on, that can't be on mute. So to me, that was one of the greatest um, moments of all time. Uh, number three, 2015. Roman Reigns wins, but no, no, no. That wasn't the moment. The fans stealing the show in Philadelphia and absolutely crapping on everything they tried. WWE put out the big guns. They brought out The Rock who barely makes up an appearance as it is. And boy, oh boy, did everything backfire. Rey Mysterio got booed. Poor Rey Mysterio just came out at 30 and was here to do his job. And did he... I've never heard Rey Mysterio get booed. Matter of fact, the only other time I've heard Rey Mysterio get booed was when he was... when uh, It was ECW One Night Stand, and he came out in, in, in ECW colors or whatever, and like people were still booing him even though he was a huge part of ECW, like he was an ECW before he was in WCW, him and psychosis. Uh, so that, I didn't understand that. But once again, those fans are hard to please. But once again, you know, if, you know, Philadelphia, what can you do? Um, but, oh my God, that was the year that fans wanted Daniel Bryan. They said, we're not going to accept anything less. And this is what you better give us. And when Vince McMahon did not give it to them, they not only hijacked the show, they hijacked Reigns' win. It's ironic that later on in the year, when he won his first WWE championship, Roman Reigns, he super punched Vince. They, they, they went balls to the wall to put him over. And Philadelphia went crazy that night. And Reigns even commented, he did an interview, not interview, but like a, he was in the ring talking afterwards, and he said, hey, we know what happened in this building earlier this year. We all know. Like, no one could ignore, not even The Rock. Rock did something with like an interview with WWE afterwards. He said, dude, they were booing the hell out of my boy. Like, dude, they were not having it. It was, 
I had never seen anything like that. And I had been to Raw. I had been to a couple of Raw after WrestleManias where like fans. I had, matter of fact, I, I was just at the Raw after WrestleMania the year before when all you heard were yes chants the entire night. And Daniel Bryan didn't even show up on the show until dark match at the end of the night. Um, it was, I, I don't think we'll ever see something like that again. Um, cause that was a, that was a hell of a freaking message from those fans, um, that they weren't having it. And when people talk about hijacking the show now, that's cool. But this night, this is going to be a bad analogy. I'm not, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> that's why it's how bad the analogy is. I'm not even going to touch that. Um, but yeah, it, it was, I remember, as most of you know, I watch these shows by myself. I just don't enjoy watching them with other, other people. I will if someone asks me to, and I'll watch it with them. If they, if, they, if they just want company, like, hey, let's bullshit and talk. I'm like, sure, why not? Um, but I remember specifically I watched this. I tend, to, I tend to watch the Rumbles by myself. I was sitting on my couch. I did something I never have done since, and I've never done before, but I did that night. I literally picked up my phone and everyone who I knew was watching that night, because we had talked before, I was texting them like, what is going on? And I remember just getting response after response of, this is crazy. You know, it was so different. It was very unique. And so, like I said, the the match was an afterthought. The match was truly an afterthought. I think everyone knew Reigns was winning that, that year. So it wasn't even, it was a foregone conclusion. But boy, oh boy, did they take over that show when number 30 hit and it was Rey Mysterio. It was such a bad look for them. So that's my number three. Number four is a mix of two, 2007 and 2008. But it's not the actual Rumble matches, even though they were both really good Rumble matches. It was 2007 at the very end and 2008 at the very beginning. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it was you had the final four in 2007. You had Rated RKO, Randy Orton, Edge. You had Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker. The Undertaker is busted open after a chair shot from Edge. Edge tries to uh, hit Shawn with it. He gets eliminated. No, excuse me. First, Randy gets backdropped. Then Edge tries to hit uh, Shawn with a chair. He ducks it. Then he super kicks Edge over the top rope. The fans then begin to swell and go crazy. Undertaker is laid out bloody. Shawn Michaels is laid out. All of a sudden... Taker sits up. The fans go crazy. Sean kips up. The fans go crazy. It was a match inside of a Royal Rumble match, and it and it and it led to what we saw as one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time, at WrestleMania 25. But this was different. It was you didn't see this coming, and this was just a like I said, it was literally a match. I think it went like maybe five six minutes. Every spot. You just didn't see. You didn't know who was going to win. I was rooting for Shawn Michaels and Undertaker winning. They both ended up getting championship matches anyway. But I remember at one point in time, Undertaker went for a big boot. He ended up missing. Everyone's thinking that Undertaker's going to get eliminated. Shawn gets back dropped out. And everyone thinks he's going to get eliminated. And he does. And it finally comes down to Undertaker's pulling himself up. Shawn's setting up for sweet chin music. He's setting up, setting up. And finally, Undertaker back drops him. And that's it. Undertaker wins his one and only Royal Rumble match. So it was a hell of a ride. I remember watching that thing myself. I was in awe. I was in awe. And I said, 
it was a, it was, a, it was like a, I had a fiend moment, not Bray Wyatt. The fiend, I just had, I was like, give me, I need more. Put that in my veins. I need more of that. So they gave us more of it. 2008, Shawn Michaels was number one in the Rumble. Okay, he's probably not winning. Then all of a sudden, 2008, number two, The Undertaker comes out. Great booking, great storytelling. I don't know who laid that out, but it was genius. Because now people are like, whoa, now it takes people back to the year before and how that ended. And it was just like, oh my God. It was so, it was just great long-term booking. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, Sean ended up eliminating Undertaker that year, and then Kennedy eliminated Shawn Michaels. But just the way it ended was a mini-match, and the way it started, it just it it just built that tension, and then it went to obviously new. We know 2009 WrestleMania, 2010 WrestleMania, 25 and 26. Um, number five, we're in the middle of this thing now. How about that? Speaking of 2008, the end of 2008 was one of the biggest shockers um, in WWE history. John Cena, the previous year, he was the Iron Man. He had a, over a year run, the first person to have over a year run. With the WWE Championship, I think, since um, Macho Man Savage. I don't think anyone had even come close to a year. Um, well, yeah, I think it was Macho Man Savage was the last one to have it for a full year up until that point. Cena got it. Cena was supposed to have this this, this I quit match for the no last man standing match with uh, Randy Orton. They were in a heated feud. It was clear that it was time for Cena to lose a belt. At that point, he had beaten everybody. So literally in 2007, you had the great Khali in two main event matches. Bobby Lashley, which was, I, I think, up until that point, I would dare say that was the best Bobby Lashley match in WWE up until the one he had with Drew McIntyre. And I still would put that match at the bash against John Cena as better than the one with Drew McIntyre this year, or last year, excuse me. Um... But you had them. Everyone was a contender. He beat everybody. His only pinfall loss when he was champion for that full year was that match in England where him and Sean used all the TV time and they went a full hour and Sean hit sweet chin music out of nowhere and pinned him one, two, three. That was another great match. I suggest you watch that. But Sean could never beat Cena when the title was on the line. But he pinned him that night, though. Um... And Cena had tore his pectoral muscle. And he was supposed to be out for like six months. They said that he was probably not going to be back until WrestleMania. Or maybe even after. And all of a sudden, this guy, is, mind you, he's one of the most hated people. Even though he's babyface. All of a sudden, number 30 is, and you hear his music hit. Cena comes out, has his head down. I remember watching that. I was actually watching that Royal Rumble with a couple people. Uh, and I remember it was so shocking and it was like, hold on a second, this guy's freaking Wolverine. He heals fast. And um, that place popped like no other. It was probably the biggest pop Cena has ever gotten. <laughs> um, people were so shocked. Of course, he wastes the title match later on. But uh, he came in, and then the final three was Batista, Triple H, Cena. Um, it was a good final three. That was, that was a good Rumble match, too. But that was probably... <sighs> They kept that. I, I'm trying to think of 
surprise appearances by active wrestlers, not like surprise appearances by people coming back. I think that's probably the biggest surprise from an active WWE wrestler of all time in the Rumble. And he ends up winning. Uh, I think he he did win another one too, but that one was predictable. This one obviously was the better one. So number six was just last year. Brock Lesnar, you you know the story. Brock Lesnar is destroying everything in the Royal Rumble. He has a face-off against Braun Strowman, face-off against Keith Lee. He's eliminating everybody face-to-face. Finally, Ricochet comes out. He tosses Ricochet aside. Drew McIntyre comes out and says, I've been waiting for this. That Being in that building, the fans went crazy. And they were like, all right, let's see what Drew can do. And then Ricochet gives him a low blow. Claymore, Brock is out the ring. That place exploded. Um... You made a new star that night, and they followed up with him then beating Brock, and now he's a two-time WWE champion, and now he's going to more than likely go into WrestleMania as a champ this year, and I don't know who he's going to face, but I doubt he's losing it, so we'll see. Well, I mean, I have my predictions, but I don't know. We'll see. I doubt he's losing it, though. Number seven, Rey Mysterio, 2006. He... Goes number two. Triple H was number one, and he wins it for Eddie. It was a great story. There was, it was so much laying, laying downtime though between him and Triple H. But when they needed to go, they went. He had, he does have the all-time record. I think WWE got really lucky because at that time Chris Benoit had the longest time in a Royal Rumble match, which was 2004. I think, I think Mysterio beat it by like a minute. But they got really lucky on that one. Um, the final three was awesome. Triple H had been there the entire time with him. And finally, Triple H gets eliminated by by Ray. Then it looks like Orton's finally going to get rid of him. Then he gives a hurricane Ryan to Orton afterwards. It was a great win. That should have made Vincent, but it didn't. The Undertaker versus, I think... No, no, it was Mark Henry versus Kurt Angle that made Vincent that rumble for the World Championship. Random as hell, I know. But that was another great moment. And um, Ray has had some great moments. Obviously, he got jobbed out the entire time he was champion. But, I mean, him winning the Rumble was a, a win onto itself for his evolution and evolvement as a character and as a performer. Number eight, 1995, Shawn Michaels goes coast to coast. And I think the shortest Royal Rumble of all time. I even I even think the first one, which only had 20, was longer than this one. I think this one only lasted like 30 minutes. Um it, all the com, com people went out for, um at minute intervals. That was by design. I that was a way to help Sean and and Davy Boy Smith get to the end cuz once again, number 1, Sean, number 2, Davy Boy, they were there at the beginning and the end. To me, it was always high drama. It was this, this Rumble was filled with weak superstars. There was no real threats outside of there was there was Luger, there was Owen Hart, there was Bob Backlund, there was Davy Boy and Sean. To me, those were the only five people that were legitimate threats to win the Rumble that year, and two of them got got themselves eliminated because Bob Backlund and Owen Hart earlier in the night. Had to, um, they didn't defeat anybody, but they kept interfering because it was a match between Diesel and Bret Hart for the WWE Championship. Everyone and their mom interfered in that match. It was a, it, it was a, t- I, 
Yeah, I didn't like that match. You had Double J interfere, beat up Nash, Diesel, whatever you want to call him. Shawn Michaels beat up Diesel. Then Bob Backlund came in, beat up Bret Hart. Then Owen Hart came out. Well, during Owen Hart's entrance, Bret Hart came in, came out, beat him up before he could hit the ring. Then as soon as Owen Hart gets in the ring, he's gone, he's walking, he gets eliminated. Same thing with Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund came out, Bret Hart came out, boom, beat him up. As soon as Bob got in the ring, he gets tossed out. So that's two of your legit threats right there. Luger at that time was so cold, it just it, it just didn't even feel like he was going to win. But like I said, he still had that name recognition from him being um, in one of those uh, main event, air quotes, matches um, uh, the year before. Um, but no, it was this was Davey Boy and Shawn Michaels' Royal Rumble. Shawn Michaels has always had Davey Boy Smith's number. If you look at their history, Davey Boy in 92 wins the Intercontinental Championship in probably one of the best main events in SummerSlam history. He goes on three months later. Yeah, he got fired for banned supplements, but then Shawn defeats him for the Intercontinental Championship. Shawn has defeated him for the Tag Team Championship with Steve Austin. Shawn Michaels has defeated him for the European Championship in his home country. <laughs> Shawn has always had Davey Boy Smith's number. Davey Boy threw Shawn over the top rope. It was the first time ever that they had the one foot rule where you, you had to, excuse me, where the, the both feet had to hit the floor. It's the first time they actually acknowledged it in a controversial fashion, if that makes any sense. And Shawn, the replay was just genuine. Like, it was just perfect. Like, to me, if you look at Shawn, you see how athletic he is and was. You're like, dude, he was never in, th- in, in threat of being eliminated, but he he sold it so well. And me being a huge Shawn Michaels fan, I was like, oh my God, he won. And then to have Pamela Anderson there at the end, yeah, it's, that, there are some takeaways. It's not one of the best Rumbles because there was no real competition in there. It was the shortest Royal Rumble at all time. But to me, the commentary between Vince and Jerry, uh, Jerry Lawler was perfect. And to me, the chemistry between Davey Boy Smith and Shawn Michaels just made it a great watch. Number nine, 2001 Royal Rumble, Steve Austin's uh, third one, the only man to ever do it. He's going to be the only man to ever do it. No one else should actually win three freaking Royal Rumbles. Um, now, how he won the first one was just controversial, so that's cool. But the, the but the next two, he well, 98, no one else had a chance to, to have prayer. But, like, no one ever is going to win three Royal Rumbles because no one should. Unless there's a, a great story to be told. In 97, it was a great story to be told. Um, but this was... This is another one that people consider their favorite Royal Rumble match between this one and 1992. To me, you didn't know who was going to win this. Because you had the returning Austin. But, you know, he already but he's in the blood feud with Triple H. You know, so you're assuming that may last until WrestleMania. Rock, he just lost the WWE Championship and he's failed to get it back. The Undertaker, Kane are both on the same page for the first time, first or second time. And it's like, wow, they look really threatening. Rikishi's a newly minted heel. What do you do with him? Kurt Angle's a champion, but is he going to keep the belt? Oh, it's so many questions. Um, and so many names that weren't even in this Royal Rumble. Jericho and Benoit put on a clinic in a ladder match earlier in the night. You know, a Triple H is getting a title match, so he's not in the Rumble. So you see so many things, and you're kind of like, I don't know who's going to win this. And the way it all played out, Kane was the first man to eliminate double-digit people. I am not counting the greatest Royal Rumble. That is not a Royal Rumble match. That's out. But him and 
him, Reigns, and Brock Lesnar are the only people to do it. And now I think Brock has the record now. But Kane, being the big man he was, he took the Diesel spot and elevated it to another level. You had the comedy stuff with Drew Carey, who came in and tried to bribe Kane to not choke slam him. Then you had Honky Tonk Man come out, sing his song, half sing his song, but then get nailed, absolutely drilled with a guitar, then get tossed out. So many great moments, but Kane, to me, took that Diesel spot and just went to the next level. So without Kane doing that, you do not have a freaking Brock Lesnar doing what he did. Kane is the man, and I think Kane should get more credit for that because Kane was a brick crap house at that point in time. So I just, I think that was one of his magna opus moments. And finally, we talked about just, just a few seconds ago, number 10 is 97. Steve Austin screws Brett. At the, Brett started 97 getting screwed, and he got, he left 97 getting screwed. Um, what a what a year! Um, but Austin stealing this, like to me, 97 is one of the weirdest Royal Rumbles because you had the infl- it was in Texas, San Antonio, and it was the influx of uh, Mexican wrestlers you had that were getting no reaction even though you had legendary male masculus in there, but you had, and he ended up eliminating himself because he wouldn't do a job probably. Um, but you, you had some of the, some of the, it's just the weirdest people in this rumble, right? You had the, the, the luchadors in it, the Mexican wrestlers in it. Then you had Ahmed Johnson running out with a big ass two by four and Farouk running for his life, eliminating himself essentially. And then um, I think, yeah, this, this was the same Royal Rumble match where Ahmed Johnson and Farouk fought, and Farouk fought uh, at the beginning of the match, at the beginning of the show. Farouk won, and D'Lo took a Pearl River Plunge, a Tony Storm's finishing move, for those of you who don't know what Pearl River Plunge is. He took a Pearl River Plunge through a table. Oh my God, it was brutal. I love seeing it, though. But you had, and then Ahmed Johnson eliminated himself. Like, you had, this was a weird rumble, right? It didn't really pick up until Austin came out, and Austin... He then had the diesel spot, eliminating a bunch of people. Savio Vega, Jake the Snake Roberts, Crush, um, uh, Phineas Godwin. It, it was so many people he eliminated. And finally, he's on the he's on that top rope. He's reading his wristband. Then you hear that music. I was like, holy crap. And then you see Austin's reaction. He grabs his head. Now Bret Hart's coming out. These two, they're, who, who would have known just two months later they would have one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history and one of the greatest double turns in all of professional wrestling. And um, these two brawl for a second and then you get to the end. The final five, final six, final seven. Let's go there. Let's, let's go final five, final six. You had the fake Diesel. You had Vader. You had The Undertaker. You had Bret Hart. You had Steve Austin. You had Terry Funk. You had Mick Foley. And you had Rocky Maivia. Rocky Maivia gets a manimal claw. He goes over the top rope. Mick Foley, whose mankind is in this persona, him and Terry Funk send themselves over the top rope, but they continue to brawl, so they take all the referee's attention. So now you have Vader, freaking Bret Hart, The Undertaker, Steve Austin, and the fake Diesel. So the fake Diesel gets eliminated by, well, excuse me, let's, Rewind. 
So Austin gets eliminated. The crowd goes crazy. He's like, oh, we finally got rid of him. Well, then Austin stands right back up and immediately he's looking around. There's no referees in sight. Well, Undertaker and Vader are sitting there. Now, referee, now Austin rolls back in the ring slowly. Ref, one or two referees are coming back now. They have that situation with Mankind and uh, Terry Funk contained. He was Chainsaw Charlie at the time. No, he was Terry Funk this night. Because they did Shotgun Saturday night the night before, and he was Terry Funk. 98 was Chainsaw Charlie. Anyways, Undertaker and Vader are against the ropes on the left-hand side. Austin eliminates both of them. Bret Hart eliminates Diesel, the fake Diesel. So then Bret Hart starts celebrating. Well, the funny thing about this is, like, Bret Hart technically did not win the Rumble because he only eliminated Diesel. If Austin would have stayed out, you still had to get rid of Vader and Undertaker. But that's, that's nitpicking. Anyways, um, then Austin just eliminates Bret Hart. And all of a sudden, and then Bret Hart goes and looks, and he sees Austin celebrating, and they're, they're giving the win to Austin. He can't believe it. So then Austin... <laughs> leaves the rig he leaves Bret Hart's then pissed off as he would be the entire rest of this year and he goes over he grabs Vince by his first by I think it's the first time in many many times he grabbed him in 97 grabs him by his shirt he's like you see what happened he screwed me and blah 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 it was so freaking entertaining I remember watching I, I did watch this live too because I want to see if Shawn Michaels was going to win the uh, WWE championship back and um it was it was a good way. It was a good way to use the rumble, and they and they said, hey, once a winner is recognized, no one can overturn it. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, you know. And Austin didn't get the shot that year, but you know what? It's just a great story they told of how Brett just couldn't get. He was all in all these big matches just the month before. Ten versus Sid. Sean interferes. Sean cost Brett the title. And now it just shows this, this, this slow dissension into I'm being screwed here. I'm not because technically Brett wasn't wrong. He was getting fucked every turn. He will win the WWE Championship the next month at the um, fail four way match. The very next night, Austin screws him out of the title. Like he was getting screwed. So he wasn't wrong. And I wasn't the biggest Bret Hart fan. But when he came back at the end of '96, I slowly became a Bret Hart fan. Up until his time when he got screwed in the Survivor Series. Mainly because he wasn't wrong. <laughs> he just wasn't, you know? Like, he, 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 was, he was being fucked with no Vaseline. So, anyways, those are my top ten moments. I suggest you guys, you probably can't watch all these. I didn't watch all these back. But you can at least watch some of them. These are just great moments in, in, in professional wrestling history. And, um, I don't know. I just I, I just enjoy doing these lists. Sometimes when I think about these things, it takes me back. So, anyways, hope you guys enjoyed the show. This is Royal Rumble Sunday. Enjoy the show. I have I'll have a review up as a separate show on Monday tomorrow. Have a good one.